Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the lives of ourselves, our family, and others. In this episode, we will look at what is a reasonable or an unreasonable idea about ideas that some people are having regards to possible threats or disasters. Okay, these things might be unlikely, but you'll see that some of them also have serious potential as a big problem. So my hope is that you will give some thought to preparedness, preparedness, and hopefully these unusual ideas will stimulate thought. For instance, a meteor could hit the Earth. Well, that's pretty unusual, but it has happened several times before in Earth's ancient history. Similarly, there is Planet X, which is also called Nibiru. It has come by Earth in the past, they say, and that it could do so again. If it does, it would disrupt the atmosphere and the tectonic plates on Earth. Now, the only way this has happened before is according to legend, so there's only a few people who see it as a reality, but there are a few ob observers, astronomers, who have seen its approach in April 2016. Is it true? I don't know. But it's a thought. Another idea is a massive volcanic eruption, like Yellowstone, if that ever happens, woo! And it did have something like that happen in 1883 with Krakatoa in Indonesia. This eruption is said to have been heard halfway around the world. Well, things do happen, and other things that could happen is we could have a massive crop failure by a plant rust or a fungus, to our wheat crop or our potato crop. Well, this did happen in the mid-1800s with the Irish potato famine. And what happened? Well, it caused starvation. It caused people to move to other parts of the world, like to America. Another idea that is uh, sometimes spoke of is massive anarchy. Oh, for instance, in the United States with the 2014 Ferguson, Missouri riots. Or in the 1965 Watts-Los Angeles riots, or in 1932, United States World War I military veterans rioted in Washington, D.C. because they did not get the benefits they were promised by the United States government. Oh, other ideas. Well, some people say a military invasion could happen, and uh, it did happen once before of the United States. Great Britain occupied Washington, D.C. during the War of 1812. Yeah, these are odd ideas, but could they happen? I don't know. Some people suggest that there could be a new world order taking control of this country. And as an example, they cite the 9-11 event. And why did Building 7 completely collapse on 9-11? It's a 47-story building that was not hit by a plane, and yet it completely collapsed in a free-fall way, just like the two trade towers did. So these things do happen. I don't know why, and I don't know if they'll ever happen again. But strange and predict unpredictable things do happen. Surprises happen, and they do disrupt our day-to-day -day life. So with the uncertainties in life, I think it's only wise to get a little bit prepared. This is episode 13. Start your preparations now before there's an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. And remember to give thanks to God for the blessings that you do have today. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Settle up your horses Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world of Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Another packed program, as always. I'm going to start with the, it's the only time I'll remember it for the whole program. If you need to contact me, want to contact us, info at redskyradio.net, info at redskyradio.net. You can pass it on, and uh, we're going to have, I think in next week's program, we're going to have a sort of a little Red Sky Radio public service announcement that will be done by our tech guy who will describe in one minute the, all the various ways that you can access Red Sky Radio. Um, I don't know all the ways. I don't know how to do all the ways. If I, did know, if I did know the ways, I wouldn't remember how to do it. I just need to have somebody who knows how to do it do it. And so uh, be sure and listen for that. I have a piece of paper handy where you can write down the different ways that you can receive the program and, of course, be able to tell other people how to receive the program. As always, we start with good news. I try desperately to end with good news. In between, you just got to hang on. It's a wild ride. Uh, first piece of good news, though. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago a breakthrough. The Red Sky Radio uh, had that particular week a listening audience of in excess of 85,000 people. Uh, that is maybe not big, of course, by Rush Limbaugh standards or somebody else, but that's big for Red Sky Radio, and it's grown phenomenally. I need to tell you, this past week, never happened before. Don't know if it'll ever happen again. I'm not in control of it, but we broke through 100,000 listeners from around the world, about 70% of which is uh, domestic to the U.S., about 30% uh, in various other places around this globe. So this program is expanding. I thank the people that support this in prayer and financially. You mean the world to me. couldn't be done without you. I don't know where this program is going, but I just am doing what I'm always going to keep doing, what I've been doing, and trust that God will direct my path. So thank you so very much. Again, if you want to touch base with us, info at redskyradio.net. Okay, ready? Hang on. This is going to be a machine gun fire on some uh, uh, good news stories here because I've got so much to cover. But this first one comes out of the state of North Carolina, a gentleman by the name of Michael Pegram, who is a very experienced firearms instructor, was concerned that there were no classes to teach children firearm safety. So he created his own class. He's taken it to the school systems, and now his organization is offering classes in the schools to children as young as six to learn how to safely operate and handle firearms. This is great news. Now, he's very, very qualified. And, uh, I mean, the kids grow up, their parents have guns, but they're growing up at an early age. They need to have a certain respect for it. And as, as soon as they can handle it properly and safely, 
uh, than he believes, as do some parents, that it's appropriate for the children to begin to learn how to shoot. Now, this class for children takes about four hours, includes classroom teaching and time shooting, but they start with a Nerf gun, so don't get too nervous here. Uh, a Nerf gun, but then he said there are those, if he feels responsible enough, at the right age, they'll shoot a 22 or a 9 millimeter under his supervision. He's had a few that as early as, I think, 7 or 8 have shot 22s. And they're bas for all those who think that the whole world of guns is scary, it isn't once you learn to properly handle them, clean them, take them apart, what have you. But there's really only three rules. Number one, you don't put your finger on the trigger unless you plan to shoot. Number two, if the gun has a safety, you leave the safety on until you're ready to shoot. And number three, you point the, you don't ever point the gun at somebody unless you needed to shoot that person. So it's pretty easy. No finger on the trigger, keep the safety on, keep the gun pointed away. I and and my grand my oldest grandson, when I taught him how to shoot, I gave him a written exam to make sure that he had these three rules right. I did. I I I said you gotta gotta get this down right. C is not passing. B is not passing. The only passing grade is a perfect score. You've got to get this right. And the questions I asked him, he went beyond the answers and said, well, it, instead of the one-sentence answer that, I, that I would have accepted, he'd break it into three parts. And I don't know, he was, uh, I'm not sure what it was, maybe 12 at the time or 11. Anyway, it varies with children, but that's a great news story. I hope it expands and I hope it expands wildly. Number two, Alabama lawmakers now are trying to pass a bill to get around queer marriage licenses. Um, they're going to still have to offer homosexual marriage in Alabama, but they're working out a way where judges who uh, distinctly and properly and in a godly manner do not want to put their signature on that which God calls an abomination will not have to do it anymore. Number three, Stacey Abrams, the defeated Democrat candidate in Georgia, has said that the way you win is by playing identity politics. In other words, she has come out, and, and this is what she said. This is amazing. When we refuse to engage in identity politics, when we refuse to acknowledge that we see you and we understand you and we understand the barriers that you face, then what we are met with is a lack of trust but what she's saying here is when you say play identity politics you're following a satanic mo called divide and conquer initially popularized by julius caesar when he uh, overtook and overran gaul present-day uh, france divide and conquer if you can divide your opposing forces then they are reduced to a stage where you can incrementally consume and beat them in, in their divided state. That's a satanic thing. And what she's saying here is as long as we can create division, as long as we can get people hating each other, we just have to have the ones who feel the most victimized, and we have just have to have enough of the haters on our side, and we win. So she's saying the politics of division and hate Identity politics, where if you're a Republican, you're a bad guy. If you're a Democrat, you're the good guy. But whatever, you, racially, gender, you, you name it, go right on down the line. The politics of division is a strategy for winning for the Democrats, right out of her mouth. Okay, I knew this all along. I, I just needed to have Ellen DeGeneres come out and say it. It's long been known that there are a couple of causes of homosexuality, none of which includes birth. There's nothing congenital about homosexuality. There is no gay gene. Just forget it. And they have dropped that whole argument because the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ crowd doesn't need that argument anymore because they, have their, they don't only have their nose in the tent. That camel's got his rear end in the tent as well. They don't need that anymore. But it was a well-known fact for a number of years, and still is fairly well-known, 
except that the mainstream media doesn't want to bring this out, that there are certain factors that lead to homosexuality. Number one are all the guys that have gotten raped by men. And the male homosexuals who admit that, that they were raped as a young child or a boy, they were sodomized, 46% of all male homosexuals admit that they were sodomized somewhere in their childhood or their youth. And folks, that's only the ones who admit it. If you had, to, if you dared to admit it, how many, if everybody dared to admit it, those homosexual and the male side, how many would it really be? 70%, 80%, 90%. I talked to the pastor recently who's ministered to homosexuals for 40 years. And he said, he's yet to meet the first one male or female that was not abused as a child, sexually abused as a child. Not one. So what's congenital about child abuse, right? What's biological about child abuse? Nothing. Well, Ellen DeGeneres has finally come out, and she's admitted that she was sexually abused as a child. We knew that. She had a loser dad that also contributes to lesbianism, a father that departs. And girls have a higher probability of going lesbian or becoming promiscuous in a heterosexual sense. Well known, firmly established, no question about it. But you don't hear that because it just, it makes people who are practicing that behavior then responsible and accountable for their behavior. So I just thought I'd pass that on. Then next piece of good news. Trump, Donald Trump has broken CNN. He has almost single-handedly caused a ma- one massive layoff at, an, at another at the left-wing whack job network. And the number of CNN employees who have left the company and are coming out and acknowledging, stating that the bias at CNN is not only palpable, it's metastasized through the whole network because it is a cancer. It has spread. It dominates. It controls. There isn't one snippet. There isn't one wit of fairness and balance at CNN, and Donald Trump did it. Now, to the best good news story of the day, Missouri, the great state of Missouri, the show-me state, refuses to change the law that is going to, in all probability, force planned non-parenthood to go out of business entirely in the state of Missouri. Missouri Governor Mike Parson, godly man, guess what? Obviously a Republican. The state has added new restrictions, if you will, uh, if that's what you want to call it, uh, regulatory matters on abortion clinics, and, and they have one clinic. There's only one place left to slaughter your child in Missouri, and that's in St. Louis. And that Planned Non-Parenthood clinic, they came out and said, if they cannot win this thing in the courts, they don't change the regulatory scheme that's being handed down, which the governor will not reverse. He said they got to go out of business. And so if the, if the uh, Planned Non-Parenthood butcher, butcher Clinic in St. Louis closes, Missouri will become the first state in the nation without one operating abortion clinic in the whole state. Now, is that good news or what? And watch Missouri be blessed as a result of exalting innocent life. Now, Planned Parenthood says, look, you're, you're just trying to get us out of the reproductive rights business. Yeah, reproductive rights. We'll address that in a minute. By adding regulation after regulation after regulation, you're just trying to drive us out of business. Well, isn't that? Okay, so if, if that's what the pro-life states are doing, glory, hallelujah. But isn't that what the anti-Second Amendment states are doing when they, by regulatory scheme, try to further restrict and further restrict to the point of closing gun shops and eliminating, practically speaking, the right of people to carry and bear arms? 
meaningful arms, and they, they do that to gun owners. Look, there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. We've covered that. It's not in there. But the right to keep and bear arms could not be clearer. So they need to just knock it off with, a, hey, you're trying to rub us out with this regulatory scheme. While on the other hand, that's exactly what these hypocrites are attempting to do with respect to driving out legal gun ownership in the states that um, hate the Second Amendment. Now, I, I should also note that last week, Governor Parson signed a law banning abortion at eight weeks into pregnancy. And the only exception is for medical emergencies, medical emergencies. This is what's missing from the Alabama law that we talked about last week. Not an emergency, not a lifestyle emergency, not a social emergency, not something whatever. Uh, they'll probably come out with emergency justice. That's what I'm waiting for. Uh, no, this is good. Exceptions only for medical emergencies. So the fact that the person might might suffer, um, oh, I don't know, disaffection from some of her friends because she's got to stay home and take a child, take care of a child. No, that happy crapola, forget that. That is not going to fly in Missouri. Now, what I need to do here is I need to take care of my first piece of business from last week that I did not finish. We talked about what I said was the beginning of the end for the country of Taiwan because it has legalized queer marriage. Won't happen all at once. Like I said, the day you get cancer is not the day that uh, you die. It takes a long time to have it discovered for it to grow, metastasize, go through the body. You know, you don't plant a seed on Monday and by Tuesday you have a crop. It takes time, as does sin, to root itself deeper into the system. God being long-suffering God and loving us gives us multiple opportunities to change our ways before ultimately the hammer comes down. So I said last week there is a difference between nations that are disobedient to God's law when it comes to the area of judgment. And I said I would explain it later in the program, and I did not get to it. I always end every program with another two hours of material, folks. Just kind of understand that. I'm trying to slow down the, the speech pace. Uh, sometimes I get ramped up. It's kind of hard to do. But I want to just care, take three countries here, Taiwan, the U.S., and Nepal, or India. Either country would probably uh, fly in this analysis. You have Taiwan, which uh, has had a limited introduction of the gospel, but not as limited as India and Nepal, even though there are sections of India that is significantly Christian. And we're going to do another Asia-based story that's going to be basically upon uh, India. Uh, listen for that. It's going to be just a 15-minute program. We're going to uh, cover a matter of great importance to uh, the 1.3 billion people in India and neighboring Nepal and uh, Pakistan and the, the neighboring countries. But in any event... Here's the difference. God said in his word, there were nations that were ignorant. They were disobedient to his word, but they didn't know his word. And, the, and what it says in the Bible is that there were times at which God winked, winked at their disobedience, meaning he just kind of overlooked it. He couldn't rightfully hold them as accountable as somebody else. So be held accountable but not like another nation that knows God and has given God the finger. It's flipped God off the fist in the face. So you take a nation that really, maybe there are, there are practices going on in that nation that are ungodly practices, okay? But it's a nation that really has not had much exposure to Christian ministries, I mean missionaries. There hasn't been an origin of that nation rooted in Christian tradition. The Bible has never really occupied a very significant place or any place at all in their judicial system or in their culture. God deals with that nation differently than a nation that should know better. And you know that yourself. If you have children, how do you, how do you deal with a child 
who's done something wrong, but for which you've never told them that that behavior was wrong. So your child calls somebody else stupid. And you say, wait, and then you say, look, no, we don't call somebody stupid. We don't do that. I mean, I'm just using that because that was the S word in uh, our household growing up. You couldn't use a stupid. But then if you've told that child, look, you you cannot use this word stupid. And I'm not opposed to using the word. I'm really not, but I'm just using it as an example. But you've told a child he can't use the word stupid. You've done it a couple times. The kid comes out and said, ah, oh, that stupid kid Joey at school. Now, is that parent rightfully in a position to discipline that child much more harshly, having known the rule, having understood the rule, and then having violated the rule, as opposed to someone who never heard the rule? Now, the word makes it clear that we have a conscience that God has given us, and it will dictate uh, our actions to a certain degree and for which we would be held accountable. In other words, it's difficult to look up at the sky, see a billion stars, and still think that somehow God had nothing to do with it. We all know there's got to be a God when you see the things around us. So the nations that didn't have God's word at its inception there was never any deep infusion into the culture, into their educational system or their law of the word of God. God can wink at that. It doesn't mean they get off scot-free. It just means that God deals lightly or lighter with those nations than the ones that don't do right and know what right is and they don't do it. Not only do they not do right, but they go around keeping others from doing right. This was Barack Obama when he was in office, pushing queer marriage, pushing abortion in Kenya, going in different places, and not only would he not take a word of righteousness to other nations that did not have uh, a strong biblical basis, he went to pollute those countries with distinctly unbiblical ideas which he knew all about and knew better. There's that passage about woe unto those that you know, uh, hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they handle it in an unrighteous manner. Not only do they not go into the kingdom of God, but they're actively involved keeping others out. This is a whole different kind of a nation. The word says, to whom much is given, much is required. And here we are. Of the three countries I gave you, Taiwan, U.S., and Nepal, uh, and, and well, four, Nepal and India, which country has been blessed with the greatest amount of instruction, instruction in Christian principles? Which nation had a distinctly and exclusively Christian founding? Which nation has been given much? The United States. And from them, much is required. And so when you have the Democrats pushing the slaughter of children in the womb, pushing queer marriage, pushing everything God speaks to that is an abomination, how could we not be held accountable? The nation of Judah was righteous for a period of time. The ten tribes of Israel were never righteous, never from the get-go. But God made it clear. He said, Judah, you've behaved even worse than not just the nations that we drove out of Israel. You have behaved even more, you've behaved worse than the other ten tribes. And you've known better. The oracles of God have been with you. The priestly service has been there in Jerusalem, the city of David. All of these advantages you've had, you've snubbed your nose at it. You've flipped your finger off at at me, basically, is what God is saying. You have ignored me. You've gone into idolatry, sexual licentiousness. You will be judged more harshly. That's a sobering thought for the United States and where we are. Well, I can't, folks, I've wanted to get away from this abortion issue, but it's been difficult for me to do so as long as the pro-aborts, the pro-aborts, you know, people say, oh, well, we're not pro-abortion, we just want people to have the right. Oh, come on, that's like saying you would not, you're, you're not pro-slavery even though you are, you are apparently really comfortable with people simply having slaves and living in a slave system. I got, come on, knock off that hypocrisy. So we got Ruth B. 
Bader Ginsburg. Ruth, Ru- Ruthie, baby, she needs to retire, and I'm hoping God will retire her at some point here. I'm not saying I want her to die. Although, you know, God, the word, here's an interesting point. God says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Yet it says in Psalms that when the wicked die, the people rejoice. Let me ask you, is that a contradiction? God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But when the wicked die, the people rejoice. Here's the distinction, and this is important. It's why I do not lament the death of bad people. I am not thrilled if they went to hell. I am not thrilled that they went to hell. And that's what God's talking about. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is not looking for an opportunity to kill the wicked people because he could do it instantaneously, a nanosecond, they're gone, and they're in hell. That's not where God wants people. And if you want somebody in hell, that's wrong too. If I wanted somebody in hell, or I'm thrilled that somebody died and went to hell, hell, absent knowledge of some deathbed conversion, I would be decidedly wrong, and that would be a humongous sin. So why does it say in Scripture that when the wicked perish, the people rejoice? Why does it say that? Because of this. That's not ro- it's wrong to be glad and desire a person to go to hell. It is not wrong to have the relief of being delivered out from underneath the bondage of a godless tyrant, dictator, communist system, socialist system, Kim Jong, whatever, doesn't really matter. Venezuela doesn't really matter. The death of those leaders will cause the people to rejoice because of the freedom that has been suppressed that now is within grasp. So you understand the point? There is this big distinction. You, I'll use this example. If, if Adolf Hitler confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior 30 seconds before he died, he would be in heaven notwithstanding what he's done. That's the extent of God's grace and his mercy. There's nothing that the blood doesn't is not going to cover if the person confesses it. So, But on the assumption that he didn't do that, I guess he committed suicide, what have you, I mean, let's just assume he didn't confess Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior before he committed suicide. So would I be glad that he's in hell? No. If I were I'm not going to be glad he's in hell. Would I be thrilled that he's dead because the war is over? People are done being killed. People are done be, uh, being starved. People are done being uh, you know, controlled by a tyrant, demonically induced tyrant. Would I be thrilled to be relieved from that, even if it's by the way of death? Absolutely. And so that's why, and that's how there is that distinction. So now you know if somebody challenges you and says you have a, you're a walking contradiction, you teach them. You take them to school on that point. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I don't want to spend any more time on her here because I'm going to have to get back to some other items on the other side of this break, which is coming up here in just a second. But I, I can't step away from the abortion issue for one more issue because it just got worse. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. I think I'm going 
Ah, from our friends in Nepal. There you go. Katmandu. All right. I've, I've got a story here that i got to cover, and it deals with the, a state that desperately wants to be the leading abortion state in the United States. And it appears to have passed California, which we call Killifornia, because they're really into killing people, the innocent unborn children. California is Killifornia. But that state's Illinois. And I'm going to quote liberally here from an article by uh, Emily Zanotti with the Daily Wire. She said here, Illinois fast-tracked a shocking bill that's designed to make the state the abortion capital of the United States. And over the weekend, a determined legislature passed the collection of changes to state law doing such things as rolling back the state's partial birth abortion ban and creating a fundamental right to abortion. This goes on to say here, the new Democratic governor eliminated the protections from the unborn, and, it re- and the following will reveal how extreme Illinois' law is. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking, I was no longer a quote, keep in mind that partial birth abortion was illegal in Illinois. They can't stand what happened in Alabama. The Democrats are the death squad. Illinois, like California, is no longer Illinois. I now am going to call it Killinois, because that's what it is. They removed the ban on partial birth abortion. It's sort of like, we are so angry at you people, you righteous people who have made us feel guilty for our sin, we're going to become even yet more sinful, and we're going to become more egregious in our abuse of the fundamental human right of life. Forget the fundamental right to an abortion. How about the fundamental right to live, you morons in Illinois? The bill, and I'm going to quote you, the bill not only legalizes abortion up to the very moment of birth, eliminating the state's longstanding ban on partial birth abortion. It totally ignores the concept of viability. It makes no concessions for the unborn children capable of feeling pain in the womb or capable of surviving on the outside. The bill creates now a fundamental right to have an abortion, to make autonomous decisions about how to exercise that right, and by making it fundamental does not put an age limit on who can exercise that right, and eliminates the state's Parental Notice of Abortion Act, which had required minor children to obtain an adult's consent before undergoing the procedure. And it goes on and on. The bill um, removes licensing requirements for clinics and for abortion providers. It allows for non-physicians to perform medical abortions. Hey, there you go. If you're out of work, just move to Illinois, and in about a four-hour class, you can start killing innocent unborn kids. Add insult to the injury, Emily writes. The bill mandates, this is how sick, sorry, and sad the state of Illinois now is. The bill mandates that insurance companies explicitly and specifically, including Christian and religious insurance providers, that they cover the costs of birth, both birth control and abortion. This is now the abortion destination for the country. Certainly that part of the country where the states around them have rest- are restricting abortions. From Indiana, they're just going to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, you know what? We can't go to that weenie roast this weekend. we got to go over to Illinois and kill my child. And they call this, this is the audacity of the left, they call this, the Reproductive Health Act. Reproductive Health Act. Now consider this. Under this act, no one is reproduced and no one is healthy. But it's called the Reproductive Health Act. I mean, why, why, are, why is it called reproductive rights when everybody, when the, people, the parties at risk are all dead? It's nothing is being reproduced. I mean, the ones that should, the reproductive rights bill would be something that you would have in China or someplace where they're having a forced abortion, a forced 
killing is where you would have an appropriately named reproductive health act, an act to actually allow reproduction. This doesn't allow reproduction. It's all about killing, calling black, white, white, black, what have you. They're eliminating all licensing, health, and safety inspections of abortion clinics. The bill strips away all rights from the unborn, wipes out every abortion regulation of the books in Illinois. <sighs> Unbelievable. And, of course, it was, it was introduced by Kelly Cassidy, a Democrat from Chicago. She said that the people, the women who are restricted here are a vulnerable population. Come on, Kelly, who's vulnerable? The woman who has been inconvenienced and, yeah, maybe to some extreme, to some extent burdened with a child. Or how about the kid who's dead? Do you think he's vulnerable, you idiot? I'm sorry, this just ticks me off. The stupidity, the moronic, debauched behavior in the state of Illinois. Now, I got four things for you to consider. Number one, so Chicago is now the killing capital of the United States. Chicago and, and Illinois has become the killing capital after you're born. And now Illinois has become the killing capital before you're born. So why don't you just call Illinois the, uh, the death state? It is Illinois. What, 43 guys shot over Memorial Day, Day weekend in Chicago? You know, I mean, people killing each other all over the place. Point number two, the left goes bonkers over every incremental, incremental control over abortion, which is not constitutional, but it fully supports all incremental regulations over the Second Amendment, which is constitutional and clearly spelled out. I referenced that a bit early, but I wanted to bring it back into this collection at the end of this piece. Point number three, the Illinois law reflects. Now, you know what? I'm going to switch these around. You've got California no longer lets people go to, the state employees go to Alabama, Mississippi, now Georgia. The L.A. City Council voted to boycott Alabama, Georgia. Now Disney Forget Disney. Chuck that stupid place. Don't waste your money on some hell-bent place to to entertain kids but support the right to kill them in the womb, and they, they, got, they just kind of go queer mania there too. And, and Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio, all of these states that are being boycotted by L.A., boycotted by California, why don't ministries and organizations that have conferences in different places and godly businesses, why don't they boycott California and boycott Illinois and say, look, sorry, Illinois, we are Illinois. We're not, we cancel our convention at McCormick Place in downtown Chicago. Cancel our convention there in Orange County, California, because you, we don't want to support a state that is ugly, as nasty, and debauched and hell-bent on pursuing evil like you guys. Why doesn't anybody do this? Point number four. The Illinois law reflects what happens when Satan gets really ticked off. Yeah. When Satan gets really ticked off, this is what happens. He possesses a legislature, demon-possessed legislature, as far as I'm concerned, and just goes overboard. It goes crazy. I mean, what are these people, foaming at the mouth? What do they got, blood and veins on their teeth there in Springfield, Illinois? But I want to go back a second to the L.A. people, the L.A. Council. That's pushing the ban, no no travel to Alabama, no travel to Georgia. There'll be no travel to Missouri. I'm thrilled when people from L.A. and California don't come and screw up the Midwest, which is trying to hang on to some godly values. Keep your sorry butts on the West Coast. So they go on to say 
here, L.A. said this is such an attack on reproductive rights, which, as I mentioned, of course, is all backwards. Forced abortion is an attack on a reproductive right, not killing kids. The Daily Grind says this, quote, Everyone knows that banning abortion won't stop women from accessing abortion services. I'm sorry. I've got to back up. They did say it, but they're quoting Sheila Kyle, L.A. County Supervisor. Sheila Kyle, if you are old enough to remember, was the girlfriend of Dobie Gillis, who in the series Dobie Gillis went by the name Zelda Gilroy. If you're playing the alphabet game and you come up with ZG, Zelda Gilroy is the only name that will satisfy that requirement. She says, everyone knows that banning abortion won't stop women from accessing abortion services, even when it puts them in unsafe medical situations. In Alabama, women who have the money will be able to safely access abortion, but women who are poor will not. Wrong, Sheila. Now they're just going to be able to go to Illinois. This challenge by Alabama and other states would overturn decades of precedent, says Hilda Solis, head of the L.A. board, former cabinet member under Barack Hussein Obama. No surprise there that he'd have he'd hire only people who support killing innocent unborn children. She said this is going to overturn decades of precedent. Wait a second. Didn't we overturn decades of precedent when slavery became illegal? Wasn't that over? Didn't we overcome decades of precedent? When when the decades of precedent is something bad, the only disgrace is why did it take so long to overcome it? Why did it take so long to reverse it? Not that you did, but why did it take so long to do it? Then she goes on to say, we must stand in solidarity and in opposition against those extremists unconstitutional laws that put the health and well-being of families at risk. Let me ask you, do you think the the health of a family is at risk when the family doesn't have as many children as it should have? I mean, are you, where, where does health come in and trump death? How can a healthy family be one that has more dead children than living children. You call that healthy? This is why this is just, oh, man, I don't know. I got I to move on here. California. This, this just blows me away. I, I've laid off the California. I've laid off these guys, you guys for a long time, spent the better part of my life there, spent more time in California than anywhere else that, that I've lived. But here's yet reason probably 179 to get out of the state because the state has pretty much passively gone on record as supporting the killing of cops. You think I'm, I, I fudge this, that this is hyperbole? The California Democrats, the Democrats that run Sacramento, refuse to hear or consider a resolution to condemn a University of California Davis professor, Joshua Glover, and I think he's an English professor, they refused to consider a resolution to condemn his urging of the killing of cops. Now, the State Assembly resolution would have urged them to remove the professor who made these remarks about killing cops. But the Democrats will not even listen to this resolution about cop killing. Now, I want to quote this maniacal monster who is being, which is being uh, subsidized by California taxpayers. This hate speech. If you're in California, your taxpayer dollars are funding hate speech at all California schools, but you're funding this guy. This guy belongs in jail, in prison, lock it up, throw the key away. I want to quote this guy. He said, I am thankful that every living cop will one day be dead, some by their own hand, some by their others. 
There's too many of them. Number two, I mean, it's easier to shoot cops when their backs are turned, right? Number three, said a couple years later than those other two. People think that cops need to be reformed. They need to be killed. Those are the three. Now, what I want to do to show you the outrageous bias of the Democrats in Sacramento, I want to substitute a word. And let's suppose you are a professor at a California school, and we are going to remove the word cop and we're go- who is innocent, right? And we're going to insert queer, who we know at least participates in some detestable, ungodly, dirty, and unhealthy behavior. So let's just switch this. Let's suppose somebody wrote this. I am thankful that every living queer will one day be dead, some by their own hand, some by their others, which, of course, then you could probably assume would be AIDS, right? Number two. I mean, it's easier to shoot queers when their backs are turned. No? All right? Number three, people think that cops need to, or that, I'm sorry, people think that queers need to be reformed. They need to be killed. Let's suppose somebody said that about homosexuals who have done some things wrong and cops who we have no indication or proof that as a policeman, you definitely have done some things wrong. There's no proof of that. You're just a cop. Any more than, let's say, let's kill all barbers. Let's kill all lawyers. You don't have any proof of that. That the the profession by itself does not mean that you are engaged in inappropriate, ungodly, and illegal behavior. Not so with queerdom. There you go. That That is easily as anything reveals the unbelievable bias of the Democrats in Sacramento. Well, now we get over to the last thing that I omitted from last week, Ilhan Omar attacking conservative people of faith on the House floor. Here's what Ilhan Shmalahu Shmakbar Omar said. She said, quote, I rise today to defy the horrifying attacks happening against women's reproductive rights all across this country. For religious fundamentalists are currently trying to manipulate state laws in order to impose their beliefs on an entire society, all with complete disregard for the voices and the rights of American women. Do you know what did she, what did she just describe? This is Omar describing Islam, not the conservatives in the United States. She just got done describing Islam. Let's back up. I write, I rise today to defy the horrifying attacks happening against women's reproductive rights. Oh, I didn't realize abortion and reproductive rights were enjoyed, loosely so-called, that term, by women all across the Middle East and the Islamic countries. Didn't know that, Ilhan. Go look in the mirror, you hypocrite. And she goes, religious fundamentalists, oh, stop right there. Where is the highest concentration of religious fundamentalists. Where are religious people who couldn't be more fundamentalistic than in Islam? Religious fundamentalists are currently trying to manipulate state laws. Hold it, hold it, and let's wait there. Who try who doesn't try but actually does manipulate state laws to impose their beliefs than Islam? I mean Islamic countries, there's no there's no law opposite Islam, right? They don't have to try to manipulate state laws in order to impose their beliefs. They do have state laws that impose their beliefs. And then she goes on to say, on an entire society, well, that's what Islam does, all with complete disregard for the voices and the rights of the women. Yup, thanks, thanks, Ilhan, for exactly and precisely describing Islam. But she continues on, there's a long history of efforts to criminalize women for simply existing to punish us when we don't conform to their attempts to control us. Is this just Islam 101? So she continued on by highlighting other measures around the United States, saying that if they were happening anywhere else on earth, they would be considered a dangerous violation of human rights. 
No, Omar. It wouldn't be considered a dangerous violation of rights if they were happening anywhere else. It would just be considered to be the spread of Islam. Think about it. Well, Kristen Gillibrand pledges to release all illegal aliens into U.S. communities if she is elected. Isn't that just sweet? Now, I've got to stop here. I've got a bunch more stories, of course, and I'm not going to get to them. But I need to just stop here to speak to something that I think you've been getting the drift of. And I'm going to go back to the nations that know God's word and defy it. The nations that let in losers like Ilhan Omar, the ones who can't go back to Somalia. I would just wish somebody just sort of rip her scarf off her head and let's see what's on there. Let's do a, let's see if what's inside there. Maybe there's a trap door into her brain and find out that that's actually some little computer device. I don't know. I, I do not know why we put up with this garbage. But then I got the same token, I do know why we put up with it. It's because in Scripture, when Israel, knowing God's word, knowing the truth, and defying it, ignoring it, fist in the face of God, long enough, continuously enough, even after multiple warnings from the prophets, it said God has sold them into the hands of the enemy. And I will tell you, if Islam takes over in the United States, which it might, who knows, given enough time, nobody's stopping this crapola from them. But by the same token, it may well be that God has just given the United States into the hands of the Muslims. We may be in the process of being sold because we have known long enough of what we need to do that's right, and we haven't been doing it. I don't want to move from here. If there's a civil war, I will fight. I will lock. I will load. I will defend my freedom, defend my family, defend my church, my property, because, hey, what else is there? You might as well defend your property as opposed to live under the boot of some tyrannical, oppressive regime. Doesn't matter whether it's run by the Muslims or the Democrats. Same deal. You're going to end up with a totalitarian rule. But what do you need to do? And what do I need to do? You see, everyone listening to this program is an Esther. If you haven't read that book in the Old Testament, go back and read it. Every single one of us out there has been called into this life, this time, this world, for just such a time as now. If you couldn't handle it, God wouldn't have created you. If you couldn't do it, he wouldn't have put your spirit in you. If you were, if you were the person that was going to run and shirk your responsibility, and maybe you're going to do that, then like with Esther, Mordecai said, hey, you don't do the job you're supposed to do. Don't think you're going to be saved. You'll be dead. Your family will perish. But you've been called for just such a time as this. And God is more than able because he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. He that's in Islam. He that's in the homosexual community. He's in the, who's in the abortion clinics, which is all coming from the same dark side, the dark force known as Satan. But if we don't stand up to it, if we don't do what we should do, if we don't live up to the task that God has actually put us on the earth to KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. This is this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. 
Mexican officials are in Washington this evening lobbying against threatened tariffs on imports from Mexico. Mexico's foreign minister, who is leading the delegation, held talks with Vice President Pence and Secretary of State Pompeo here at the White House. Despite continuing negotiations, President Trump expects the first round of tariffs, 5%, to go into effect next Monday. He's demanding that Mexico step up its efforts to halt Central American migrants from making their way to the U.S. border. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reporting. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi warned that President Trump's trade tariffs on Mexican imports would be punishing for both countries. President Trump announced on Twitter this evening that negotiations had closed for today. As social media companies face mounting criticism that their platforms foster extremism, YouTube is tightening its hate speech policies. YouTube says they're changing their hate speech policies. They're going to prohibit more kinds of videos, including those with white supremacist and neo-Nazi content. They're also removing videos that deny certain events took place, like the Holocaust or the Sandy Hook school shooting. The company says they're prohibiting videos that allege